You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. As always, you got Steve here on the mic with Slamming Sammy, man. How are you doing, buddy? Steve, I'm great to be talking here with you. Uh, big second half ahead here for the Yankees. Uh, it's all right in front of them. You know, tough pill to swallow with that last Astros game a couple of days ago, <laughs> but we've turned the page. We talked about this uh, just before we came on tonight. Yankees have everything in front of them. Eight of the next ten are against the Red Sox. It's four against the Sox, two against the Phillies, and then four more against the Sox. And then They're three against games. then three against Tampa too. So it, it's a it's a big stretch to start the second half. It's going to determine whether they're buyers or whether they're sellers. Now Absolutely. I know they're four four and a half games out of the second wild card spot. I'm not taking Seattle too seriously ahead of them. Oakland's the team I'm concerned about ahead of them. But it's all right in front of the Yankees right now. By the next time we record, whether it's uh, fast forward to next week. We'll yeah. know quite a bit about where this team stands. And then a week after that, we're going to know even more about where everything is going into the trade deadline. Ex- exactly. So, so it's I'm first... excited because everything's in front of them. Everything yeah. is in front of them right now. Exactly. So let's kind of put the first half behind us. It was a first half of disaster for the Yankees. Uh, they finished the first half at 46 and 43, three games over 500. Eight back of the surprising Red Sox, who were not projected to be this good. I'll tell you that much. Um, and then, as you said, four and a half back of that second wild card spot. Um, a lot of things went wrong for the Yankees in that first half. few things went right. So I think uh, for this episode here, we're going to kind of talk about some of our biggest surprises, disappointments, and who we need to see step up in the second half. But, but as you mentioned, the schedule here, it all plays out for the Yankees. It is eight games versus the Red Sox, three versus Tampa, and then the trade deadline 16 days away. So it is pretty crazy that it all works out. And we're going to really see if Cashman puts his, the chips in, if you know Hal lets him you know, add more chips to the pile and go over above, above the luxury. So it's going to take these next two weeks here that, that are essentially make or break for the Yankees come up, coming up with the trade deadline. Um, a lot of big names already out there for the Yankees at the deadline with rumors, and they're only going to intensify over the next two weeks here. So it's going to be a fun ride. Um, Hopefully it won't be like that uh, first half ride, which was a bumpy ride, but it's going to be a lot, a lot, all eyes on, on the Yankees in the second half. So, so Sam, let's, let's talk about the first half here. Let's, let's start with the, besides the overall team as, as a disappointment, who would you say would be your biggest disappointment of the first half uh, on the Yankee roster? Talked about a little bit, uh, a little bit about this before we came on. There are so, so many ways you can go here. <laughs> there you are. There are an infinite amount of ways. Um, I am going to go with Clint Frazier. This is a guy who had full-time oh, it hurts. This playing hurts. time to ha- give a chance to see what he could do. And truthfully, he flopped. He absolutely flopped. I mean, the guy is hitting 186 with five homers in 66 games, 218 plate appearances, you know, 317 on base. He's got a negative 0.8 war. I don't know what the the deal is with this guy. He was a, a highly rated prospect when the Yankees got him in the Andrew Miller trade. He showed some flashes in 2017 and even last year hitting a few home runs, and we were both so excited to see him get regular playing time. Even when the Yankees brought back Brett Gardner, he was the guy in uh, in left field, excuse me, but it just hasn't come together for him this year at the plate. Like so many guys on the offense, you could go a bunch of ways here, but in terms of guys who we were hyping up, it's got to be Clint Frazier or Glaber Torres, in my view. I'll I'll go with. I mean, it's it's a very hard decision for me between the two of them yeah, because uh, 
I would say though I got you got to push it all all chips in for Clint because um, Glaber had some some sparks. He had those two weeks where he was batting over 400 um, a few months ago. The Glaber's power ha- has been the biggest disappointment, um, but I think overall as as a product, it has to be Clint um, because I think Glaber Torres is still playable. Um, he, his defense in the first half of the fir- first half of the first half was actually pretty good. Um, he, he's handled himself okay at shortstops, even though it, he's definitely not, I think, the long-term solution anymore for the Yankees at shortstop. But but Clint Frazier, uh, like you said, fell on his face. And unfortunately now he's got some vision issues here. We thought it was vertigo. That, that's that been ruled out. So you do like to, you know, you know wish Clint best. But, Sam, if, if I'm reading the cards here, this sounds like Clint Frazier is going to go on the 60-day I.L., and open up a roster spot as the trade deadline comes up for Cashman to work with. I hope that's not the case. I hope he comes back and has a great second half. But th- this seems like uh, I would not be surprised at all if we just don't see Clint again the rest of this year. I wouldn't be surprised at all either because it's we've seen this so many times with him. He's got the concussion. He disappears. Uh, he's had injuries in his young Yankees career. He last played June 30th. That was two weeks ago. Uh, So vertigo is ruled out, like you said. Yes, I don't know what it's going to be. But, you know, if his vision's up, and that just sounds like something that they're going to need a lot to do a lot of tests on. And, you know, July is going to kind of go by. August is going to go by. And and we just kind of say we hope Clint Frazier gets it right for next year. Because, I mean, if he's got vision problems and the Yankees can't figure it out, that means he has – a negative trade value. No team's going to take that injury risk coming on there. So it is a huge disappointment. I mean, I called him the most deadly nine hitter of all time going into the, the season here. And and he's backed it up with a 187 average with a 186 average and a slugging of 317. So that, that's not the Clint Frazier that we were, anyone was hoping for. Uh, and sadly uh, it's the most obvious choice for, for, for most disappointing kind of player up there um so some possible other candidates uh justin wilson and darren o'day i know a lot of injuries uh kind of play a part into that but you know they were uh, a big big offseason for for acquisition for the yankees here kind of getting those two and gardner essentially for adam out money and they traded out of vino to the red sox who now are up eight games in the yankees and now out of is doing pretty well for them um some other options are you know, our first half of the year was obviously Gary Sanchez, but he turns around for that's great for him. Um, I don't like to push the injury bug, but but Luke Voigt, right before the season started, I wrote a nice article about how important Luke Voigt was to this roster and how he needed to stay healthy. And like 48 hours later, he ends up on the IL with an injury, and he only played 29 games in this in this first half. So the Yankees need need Luke Voigt to stay healthy here too. You know. Um, he started off a little slow coming back from from those injuries, but he seems healthy now. So I'm expecting a big, big second half there. But as you said, there's a lot of disappointments up and down the, the, this roster, whether it be in the in the in the in the bullpen, as we mentioned, in the lineup, and even in the rotation too. Uh, he's turned it around the past few starts, but Jamison Tyone, the the huge acquisition for the Yankees this offseason, is posting a close to five ERA. So that, that's not what he was hoping for in his first year in pinstripes. Yeah, he's had a couple of good starts to close the break, including one in Seattle, and then the one in Houston was really, really good. Really good. But there was a couple of With times, all of that, he still got a 4-9 ERA like, with those two good starts. And we saw the worst one out of all of them in Philly. Exactly. That, that's why he's on my list because he, he ruined the game I went to. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. So that one it stays fresh in my mind. But – you're right. I mean, there's so much blame to go around here. Underperformance, injuries. Like you said, Voight is probably the biggest one. And not not disappointment, but not having him for most of the first half of the season really hurt this team, in my opinion. Because he's one of those guys that just lengthens the lineup. He led MLB in home runs all of last season. He is a big bat. He goes to all fields. He is an absolute weapon in that lineup, and the Yankees really didn't have him for much of the first half of the season. And then yeah. you go to guys, the the three-for-one trade with for sending Adam Adovino to Boston, which we both were proponents of because Adovino really became unpitchable, too, in a lot of these situations. He didn't have control. 
that Springer home run off of him in game two of the ALCS in 2019 is fresh in my mind still. Uh, and really, the Yankees have gotten nothing out of the three that they signed to get. Nothing. 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 I mean, Justin Wilson, useless. Darren O'Day, injured all season. Brett Gardner, looks like he doesn't have a chance up there at times. And then you go back to the disappointments of Clint Frazier and Torres not having any of that 38-home run power that he's had, combined with DJ LeMahieu not being the extra base hit machine that he was the first two months. He has an OPS close to 900 in his last 27 games, so I am going to know that. He's around. Out. I think, you know, um, DJ, DJ will be, be all right. But it was that, that back to the, the – kind of full circle on the Luke Voigt thing, it kind of started a chain reaction of what are you what are you gonna do there? They tried they tried Jay Bruce. He lasted what, like a week and he was like, fuck this, I'm just flat out retiring. Um and then that led to the the Rugnet Odor. Like Rugnet Odor kind of came out of nowhere and has played fifty two games for the Yankees. He he is exactly who he is. I mean there there's no shock there. Like, hey we're gonna get some home runs, you're gonna get some shitty defense and he's not gonna get on base that often. That's exactly what we got from him. He's 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 playing to the back of his his baseball card here. But kind of losing Luke Voigt, and that's kind of been the, the trade was Luke Voigt basically became Rugnet Ordor in the lineup for, you know, fifty games. That's a huge loss. And then you add that into like you said, those, those Torres not playing well, the Hicks injury means Gardner's playing not playing, and then, you know, Frazier what we thought was an extremely dangerous bottom of the order going into the season has now become automatic outs. Um, and that, that's been a huge component for the Yankees and their struggles, their offensive struggles. So there, there's disappointments left and right um, up and down the lineup. But, you know, there, there's a, I think there's positive regression hopefully going to happen as, as this team gets healthier because we'll, we'll just see what happens. But give me a, give me a surprise, the, a positive surprise. For at least for the Yankees here, we got to go ahead. We went negative first, so let's go positive second. What's your What's your biggest su- positive surprise of the first uh, half of the Yankees? It's got to be Aaron Judge staying healthy. I mean, we did not have one DL stint in the entire first half of the season. Eighty four games. That's, That's crazy. Is, I mean, and don't get me wrong, things were looking dicey earlier in the year when we had the back and whatever. He was disappeared going on. for those two games, and people were like, "Oh, what's happening?" And he, he's pretty much shut everybody up since then. Eighty-four games, second on the team behind Lemayo. And I hate to break off into this conversation. We've had so many ways that, that the Yankees could be buyers, sellers, and a lot of people. Or, or, or there's some on Twitter.com, including – I read a thing from Joel Sherman uh, several weeks – a couple weeks ago that the Yankees should consider trading Aaron Judge. Yeah. I mean, I it's not going to happen. The Yankee – I mean, you can't be a – I mean, we'll see what the next two weeks say hold as we, as we show. But you can't be a sell team when you're four games out of the wild card. Especially with a guy like Garrett Cole – uh, as your ace, if you get a wild card game versus the Yankees, the Yankees are going to be like minus two hundred no matter who they play because Cole's going to be on the mound. So you're essentially going to get into the playoffs. You know, knock on wood, if you get the wild card spot, you can't be a selling team and sell your best player when you're you're fighting for a wild card. If the Yankees fall out of it, either way, I can't see it happening because even if the Yankees struggle this year and they don't make the playoffs, the plan is to make the playoffs next year in 2022. You don't trade Aaron Judge and then plan to make the playoffs the next year. You trade Aaron Judge if your plan is to take a three- to five-year rebuild. And that's just not what the Yankees do. So I don't see there's any way that they're looking to trade Aaron Judge. Even if they, even like next year, his price is definitely going to go up. But if they have no they have no reason to sign him, you let him just play out your contract. I don't see how you plan on being a contender and then trading Judge. No, I get what you're saying. And the argument was that he stayed healthy this season. He's uh, an unrestricted free, he's an unrestricted free agent after next season. Yeah, uh, the so Yankees are get him ha- before he gets hurt. The Yankees are going to have to make a decision on whether to give him a long-term deal. And look, I, I got the talk about it, and I still think they could be a playoff team if they traded him in. 2000 or if they traded him this season but 
I don't see it happening, but that has to be the biggest surprise of the first half of the season. We had no DL stints from Aaron Judge, yeah. and knock on wood, nothing happens in, in the second half. And I think you have to throw Giancarlo Stanton in there too. He's, he's a one but, one short DL stint, but he's been he's been good on that. Yeah, and he, he's looked like one of the Yankees' best hitters when he's in the lineup. Uh, I'd like to start seeing him play the field a, a little bit more. I think he's, it might be coming. Yeah, he's gonna have to if the Yankees are serious about making the playoffs. He's gonna have to play the field because. There's going to be quite a bit of games in these NL ballparks come, um, come this second half. Yeah, of the they've, only, they've only had two so far, and there's going to be a, a few more coming up. Uh, and I think it's just, and look, I, if he proves that he can handle the field, like it, it I, obviously the past few years are, are are what they are. But this is a guy that played the field all the time in Miami. He literally had to because obviously with no DH, and he didn't get hurt playing the field at all. Um, and even his injuries for the Yankees have been weird kind of running the bases type injuries. Like, you're not going to prevent him from running the bases. You want to limit the chances, I get it. But if you're telling me that he can prove in August that he can play the field and you're still dealing with these Frazier injuries and Duhar still not doing it uh, and you don't make a huge move, you got to have him in left field if you're playing Brett Gardner or, or, or you know, what else is the name? We just got LaCosta. To playing center field and judge and right, that opens up DH for somebody maybe who needs a rest day like Luke Voigt, and then you can have Odor at second, DJ at first. There's just a lot more options here. If the idea is to get the best lineup every day out there um, in order to make a playoff push, it's going to require two to three games, I think, a week of Stanton playing in the field. Look, Cole officially, it's, it's no, it's been the same all year, has Higashioka as his catcher. No matter how many times Boone says, ah, we're thinking about throwing Gary back there, it's just not going to be the case. So Gary's been, the, the, he's what, second on the team in home runs here. So at least on those days, you got to have Gary DH, and then you can put, still have Stanton in the lineup. If you're fighting for playoff spot and every win matters here, you can't be letting these guys sit on the bench for even one game. So I think, you know, Stanton's it's going to be really interesting to see how many times he plays the field, if at all. But I'm thinking, you know, after the trade deadline, see where the chips fall here. But there's a strong possibility we see him out there once a week, maybe. Yeah, and I totally agree with everything you said there. If the Yankees are serious about making the playoffs and putting their best possible lineup out there, it starts with John Carlos Stanton in the field. And if he can't play the field with the money he's making – the Yankees have a whole different problem uh, on their hands because they've got a $30 million a year designated hitter, and that really can't happen. So Stanton stayed relatively healthy this season. But, but maybe he's that's and, why he's healthy because he's not playing the field. So I don't know. It, it, uh, it's, you know, I'm flip-flopping on myself here, but I, I, I still stick it. One or two times a week, Stanton's got to be volunteering to go on the field, and he's got to come out and say it. So that we know it's the Yankees that are like saying we won't let him play because he says he's ramping up there, um, and I think there's definitely NL games coming up a chance to get him out there and see what happens. So we'll keep an eye on that. Sam, I'm gonna give you before we move on uh, for I'm gonna give you another surprise here, and, it, and it's Jonathan Loizaga. Got to mention this kid. Kind of a shame he didn't get an All Star game appearance. Um, he, he's been he's been lights out for the Yankees. He's seven and three record. He's just in the game a lot when it matters. Uh, 2.11 ERA, 47 innings pitches, pitched, 46 strikeouts, a whip under one. He's been the Yankees' most lethal weapon out of the pen, especially with Zach Britton only playing in 10 innings so far this year. We mentioned the struggles of O'Day um, and Wilson. Kind of been a little savior here for the Yankees out of the bullpen. Chapman started off the year unbelievable and has now struggled mightily. We just saw how Chad Green can struggle uh, at times here. Um, but kind of a shame he didn't get an all-star nod, but but a great little turnaround here. Jonathan Wiseguy has been around for a while. He's been a name that's been thrown out there in Yankee prospect land. He kind of came over as an undraft. He kind of came over from the Giants organization as a free agent. Still only 26 years old. He's got he's got can I say future closer lined up for him in the Yankees. You know Chapman's got another year left going on here. Uh, Wiseguy's got it been kind of throw his hat in the ring as the future long-term closer for the Yankees, right? This guy, and I said it on an episode quite a while ago, is absolutely filthy. Um, 
he's Dallin Batantis with more control, in my view. Just, I love the way he paints his fastball. The, the curveball is so, so under control. The changeup is there. He really makes hitters look absolutely silly uh, in the batter's box when he's pitching. If you take out his debacle against the Royals and his debacle against the Nationals, his ERA has got to be under. I'm looking at it right now. I'm trying oh, it's, to. It's, it's probably be one five and lower, maybe even oh, maybe it's... under one. I'm I'm going to have it right now. Very <laughs> Sam's very doing shortly. math. Hold, hold no, on. No, no, no. It's <laughs> it, it's away. But anyway, we'll follow up next I, week when Sam figures out how to use a calculator. Outside of those two <laughs> games, he's got to ha- have an ER stud. under a half Absol- Absolute stud. I mean, he's he's been doing amazing. Uh, he's only given up uh, eleven earned runs on the year. He finally has gotten his role. The Yankees toyed with him a few times. You know, 2018 made four starts. 2019, four starts. 2020, technically made three starts, kind of as an opener role here. Um, but he was always thought of as maybe a long reliever type guy that just couldn't make it as a starter. And there's been been some, you know, hinklings of like, dude, just throw him out there for one inning and see what he could do. And what he does with one inning, he paints 99 on the black. Often. He's got some serious gas up there. 101 sometimes. Um, so just a huge bright spot for the Yankees this year and, and you know, easily I think the, the the biggest weapon for the Yankees. Yeah, and hopefully the Yankees have him to start off their biggest series of the year. Because yeah. yeah. He's just been placed on the COVID-19 injured list. Aaron Boone wouldn't say whether or not he tested positive, but you have to imagine this isn't good. And... The Philadelphia Phillies, who are the closest team to Steve and I, I sent you this the other night. They are having a circus where one of their unvaccinated players tested positive. And Matt Jelb of The Athletic, who covers the Phillies, was saying vaccinated players are not even tested anymore. Um, So I'm not really sure what's going on here, but... If the Yankees don't have him available for this weekend series, that is a huge, huge, huge loss. Blow. Huge loss. I, I I forgot about that over the past few days. You know, not watching baseball, but that's that's a great point. They're they're going to need them. The Red Sox match up so well versus the Yankees, and and honestly, Cora has been running circles around Boone. Boone not having his best weapon is kind of a disaster out of that bullpen. So something to keep an eye on, but but definitely a huge shout out for him to the for the first half of the year that he's had. Um, so that was a positive note. So then we got to go. We got to go negative. What's? Well, I guess it could be positive. I guess if you, no matter how, you, if you, I don't think you're going to pick a positive spin on this. But what's the least shocking thing that happened in the first half of the Yankee season? The least shocking thing that happened in the first half. Okay, I thought this was going to happen in, in the second half, but Aroldis Chapman hitting a wall in a major way. Ooh, I did not see that coming. Okay. I am going to go That's with that. Because he was on fire to start the year. His ERA went from a, a .96 to 4.7 very quickly. Uh, I mean, overnight. Uh, he had that game against the Twins, which was like whatever. He bounced back from that. But the past few weeks have been otherworldly. I mean, that freaking game against the Angels where... I can't believe Steve, that. Game. Steve, I cannot tell you... I woke up at 6.15 to work out, and I had 11 MLB at-bat notifications. <laughs> and I am like, this cannot be good. And I, I, I woke just, up to a text as well just saying, fuck this. And I was like, this could only mean one thing. I was like, dude, they did not just blow that. They did not. I can't, I can't even look at it. I didn't even look at the score. I, like, rolled back over for bed. I was like, let me just try to pretend I'm asleep and figure it out. Think about it later. <laughs> When I saw 11-8 on the at-bat notification, I let out a – I just said, fuck, when I was down <laughs> downstairs eating my breakfast. And it was just a, it was just a simple, you know, not screaming or whatever. Yeah, and my, yeah. Mom, my mom must have been awake, and she comes down, and she's like, what's wrong? And <laughs> I'm like, no, we're not talking about this. Uh, no, no. Yeah. But – I 
still and then that Alonzo home run against the Mets and he's just on the mound with his heads behind his head. I was in my hotel room for that away on vacation, getting ready to go to a barbecue, and I legitimately put my hands behind my head and smiled like he did. I literally mimicked him. But, but I think the, the good thing maybe we could take away is last time this happened, it, you know, Yankees had a comfortable lead in the division a few years ago, and then they they'd removed Chapman from the, the closer role, but then he came back and was amazing. So maybe the, trying to be Stevie positive here, maybe Chapman this, this four days off here may be uh, able to, to turn it around because the stuff is still there. Um, but it is it is it is concerning here when you have your 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 all star closer. I mean, he was you know three weeks ago when we were saying he's going to be an all star. That was like the biggest lock of all time. And then you kind of saw him out there, and you're like, "What are you doing there, buddy?" But like he did deserve it for a little bit, and then just had like four bad games. And as a closer, four bad games can ruin a season. Um, so it's 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 tough there. And, and it, it yeah, you're right. It's happened before, so it's not that shocking. Um, I, I got two here. One's an easy one um, that, that is a little positive. The least shocking thing is that the Yankees rely on Garrett Cole so much and that Garrett Cole has backed it up. Few starts, few bumps in the road, but 9-4, and 2.680 ERA. He's got 114 innings pitched. No one else on the team is even close to 100 innings pitched. He's got 18 starts. That complete game shutout versus the Astros was electric. 129 pitches, told Boone to go back to the fucking dugout and let him finish that game. So so not nothing shocking there. 147 strikeouts up there uh, with the tops in the majors. He would have pitched in the All-Star game if he didn't throw 129 versus Houston. So it would have been nice to see him on the mound there just for a little Yankee representation. But get him ready. And the, just as the Yankees relied on him in the first half, they're going to rely on him in the second half. He's going to need to finish this year with 35 starts. And close to 20 wins if the Yankees have any chance here. So, well, uh, you know, Cole is Cole. So we'll go on there. So that was not that's not that shocking. Um, another least shocking moment here is that Aaron Hicks landed on the IL and is done for the year. He's had a few long-term injuries here. Um, I, we kind of did go through the the run through of the lineup and how big of a change is Luke Voigt ha- has meant to the lineup here. Um, I think it needs to be considered that Aaron Hicks is just as important. You know, the fact that we signed Brett Gardner with the clear idea that he would not be an everyday player, and then he's thrust into this really quickly to become an everyday, not just an everyday player, the everyday center fielder at, what, age age 640? How old is Brett Gardner? So he's out there playing 75 games already where it was probably hoped that he wouldn't touch 70 games for the year. Um, so not surprising that Aaron Hicks ended up on the I.L., um, but it is surprising that he's done for the year. And the Yankees got to, gotta, as always, got to reconsider what they got here. They, Hicks is on for another five years, I think, after this at relatively cheap, you know, only 10 mil a year. But if you can't rely on him to be your center fielder, you need to make sure you got a legitimate backup just in case because they're learning the hard way that not having a backup center fielder is a problem. It's one of the premier positions on the field. It's the shortstop of the outfield. And – the Yankees center fielder carousel has undoubtedly been a problem this season. Um, you know, Brett Gardner really, like you said, is not an everyday center fielder. They got to go out and trade for Tim LaCastro, who, in all due respect, he's got great wheels. Yankees fan growing up. Hit a home run, a couple nice at-bats in Houston. Uh, he's, he's not. He's another, he's another quad, you know, 4A outfielder. Yeah, he, he was hitting. He was statistically the worst, the, the second worst hitter in all of baseball when he came to the Yankees, it was it's like him and Frazier. I mean, we, we had, Frazier at the bottom. We had Tyler Wade starting in center field. Like, what, what are we doing here, guys? Like, he, he, you know, it, it's kind of you know the lack of a true backup center fielder is an issue. Um, and look, you don't you're not something you plan for. It obviously it shouldn't be. Um, but Sam, I mentioned it um, a few episodes ago that I think by the end of July. Esteban Floreal should be the everyday center fielder. He got one cup of coffee in a doubleheader game. It's the second year that that's happened for him. He's got two career games, both have been in a doubleheader. Um, I think the Yankees have to be in the market for an everyday center fielder, but if they don't land one, you got to try someone. You got to try anybody because you can't keep throwing, like you said, you can't be throwing Gardner and um, and the Castro out there in center field. And Tyler Wade is your, your other option here. So center field's a huge issue. So least shocking thing, Aaron Hicks got hurt. 
I guess uh, the more, I guess the least shocking thing number two is that the Yankees didn't plan for it, and now it's backfiring and biting them in the ass hardcore. Yeah, I, in, in a big, big way. And, and Floreal, I saw, has been on a bit of a hot streak down in uh, AAA. Um, that would be a very – that's the Yankees' number one move that they could make batting um, their internal-wise to get the center field thing right uh, in a little bit. But they're going to be in the market for a center fielder. Who that is, uh, it remains to be seen. Starling Marte, like you said a couple weeks ago, is the number one option there for almost every team. Like we both agreed, we think the Yankees are going to get outbid if they try to yeah. go for him. And, and there's even the Marlins are trying to sign him to an extension now, I saw, which um unsure where that comes for their perspective, but it's going to be interesting to see. The, the outfielder market, I could see them trying to go for a shot out of the cannon somewhere. Maybe get a guy who's stuck on the bench and, and try to go that route. Yeah, for, and I think that the, the star players, name, the star the name players, that, yeah. that kind of came out too, as you mentioned Joel Sermon earlier, has been Joey Gallo. And I love Joey Gallo. He'd be a great addition and would hit fucking bombs at Yankee Stadium. But that doesn't solve the center field issue. He is not a center fielder. He's played center field in his career like 40 times, and it was years ago. He is not a center fielder. So even if you get Joey Gallo, I think that would be a great get for the Yankees and would help this team a lot. It still means you're throwing Brett Gardner and LeCastro out there every game in a playoff game. Um, so, like, I don't know. What's the <laughs> – Sam, give me – could there be a scenario that there is an – they get Joey Gallo and then they need, they need to play Aaron Judge in center – and then staying in right. Would that be the biggest bunch of meatheads of all time in the outfield history? <laughs> it absolutely would be. I'd love to see it. Except for the fact when one of them gets injured. And, and, yeah. I mean, playing them in the outfielders. In It'd the be outfield, like a video game where you just put the best home. They just Give me the guys that are the biggest ever and just put them anywhere because it doesn't matter because it's a video game. That's That would be literally video game outfield. Uh, we've seen some talk for Chris Bryant uh, potentially on the move, and but also him not in a center, center field. fielder. Right? But like, how often does he play center field? Like, we're if, if we're looking to upgrade the center field position, I love I, like, I, all the same thing. I would love Chris Bryant too, but another right-handed bat that can play multiple positions. But one of them, I don't want to trade for him and then put him out of position in center field. Uh, you know, and, and look, you can only get what's available, and you can only get what you pay for. But the, these names are, are are fun to hear, but I just can't see the Yankees. I can't see the Yankees brass sitting down and being like, yeah, let's get Joey Gallo and keep throwing Brett Gardner out there. But you never know. They've been throwing Brett Gardner out there for five years now, and most of us think his time's been done. <laughs> I have a good solution for center field. He's not going to cost much. Um, he's not flashy, and he's a right-handed hitter. Bernie Williams. We saw him a few weeks ago. Michael A. Taylor of oh, the Kansas okay. City Royals. Speed signed, signed a one-year deal, $1.75 million in the offseason. 80 games, 8 homers, batting 248. OPS isn't exactly sexy, 672. Slugging, not exactly there as well, 370. Just getting on base over 30% of the time. But he is... That's like uh, Jim Edmonds right there from anything <laughs> that the Yankees are getting. <laughs> like that we're right now. I think the Yankees would assume that LaCastro uh, would put up similar numbers as him. But like you said, eight home runs, I, that was shocking for me because I remember him back in the day, he would play like 100 games and I never hit the ball out. So 2017, he had 19 home runs. Um, but then the following year, at 134 games, six home runs. So he's having a big, big pop year for him. Um, given a, a, the back of his baseball card, too. But that's an interesting take there because, look, what are the Royals doing? Really nothing. And they, sh they should be selling anybody that's uh, th that's this cheap. Um, the other name that I saw pop up there, he's, I mean, he, had a, he was so bad that he flat out got cut. But Adam Eaton, a, a popular name years and years ago, uh, really could play the field. Um, that seems like someone that, Cat that Cashman might take a flyer on. Get him for the league minimum, see what he could do. 
Um, that, that seems like what the Yankees have been doing more. That seems like the Jay Bruce types, the, the like Castro types of, you know, let's let's try and catch lightning in a bottle. And if you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle, you're, you know, get a bigger bottle because it's not working for the Yankees. It'd be an upgrade in center field. I mean, he's hitting over 200. I mean, that's pretty rare. That's so sad. That, that, that That's a huge upgrade for the Yankees. <laughs> it's sickening to see guys with a one at the beginning of their batting averages. I mean, I mean, there's one in the lineup every night between uh, Gardner and uh, Frazier. I mean, I think Gardner might be slightly above 200 right now, but there's times where uh, it's not just the batting average too. Cause look, we we've been, we bash batting average all the time here, but since their no, on base percentage, one ninety four, one ninety four, and his on base percentage is shit too. What's his on base percentage? Uh, on base percentage is three ten. So so uh, a lot higher than it should be given the one ninety four average. So I'm saying if he could bat two fifty and be on base, you know three, it, it's a you know three ten's up in. I thought it'd be I would I was expecting under two fifty. Adam Eaton's on base percentage is two ninety eight. Um, so he's not getting on base that often either. So it, it's. If you're not going to make the big move here, then, you know, I don't know really what they're doing. Um, since we're kind of talking about, about trades and whatnot, it came to me, I don't know, in a dream. But I know Kendall Marte is, is a pipe dream for the Yankees from the from the Diamondbacks here. But if Hal Steinbrenner is serious and wants to go all in, I don't think it's the best move for, that the Yankees make here. But if it gets them Marte, would how would you feel about them taking back the rest of Bumgarner's salary? Get get big game Mad Bum and see if he can get catch your lightning in a bottle there, but also upgrade center field. It'd be a huge package. But for some reason, if the Yankees have a good run versus these Red Sox these next two weeks here, the Yankees got to go big. They got to get a big name. They got to get someone here. And I just don't feel like it's going to be a Joey Gallo type. Maybe you go back to a team like the Diamondbacks that you have a big history of trades with and you try and get a big multiplayer deal going there and see what happens. Very unlikely. Zero two point zero two percent chance of happening. But for some reason, I was randomly thinking, I was like, what if the Yankees just get Madison Bumgarner? Probably not even healthy right now, but it came into my mind. Yeah, and uh, the, the Diamondbacks are the worst team in all of baseball. Uh, I mean, right. they don't even have 30 wins yet. Uh, and Bumgarner is owed quite a bit of money through 2025, or excuse me, 2024. 23 million, 23 million. Um, and then 14 million at 31 years old. How is he not 35 years old? It, it, it's absurd. I mean, he, he was 20 or 21 when he came up with the Giants in that 2010 World Series run, uh, which is just, I, I can't believe that's 11 years now. But while he's pitched. He hasn't uh, been good this year. I also want to point out that he hasn't been good here. This would be just purely on. Uh, on what could they do? He's been hurt. He's he's coming back from rehab. He's actually got a rehab start tomorrow. But if the Yankees aren't worried about, if they truly aren't worried about the uh, the, the the luxury tax here, this could be a possible way to 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 make a big deal and get multiple players here and help out the Diamondbacks. As you as you said, absolutely suck and don't want to be paying Mad Bum twenty million dollars anymore. Yeah, and if we're not talking about giving up uh, Jason Dominguez, that, no it's going to it's gonna be the Oswald Peraza. The oh, it's going to be a big trade. Types. Big, big trade. Yeah, I mean, and I think the Yankees are going to get outbid, like we talked about for anyone. So I think that's, that's where Bumgarner came in for me, is how many teams would take back his salary and see if that could be an incentive for the Diamondbacks to work with us. So I don't know. That just, I just, love that idea. I love that idea. <laughs> you got to think outside the box. You got to think for the Yankees because, like you said, you're going to get outbid. So you got to do something different here. And if let's use our pockets that we haven't used in, a, in this year at all and use that as an asset. That could be the Yankees' biggest asset. The trade deadline is saying, "Fuck it, let's just take off all your shitty contracts." Could you imagine if Bumgarner closed out the World Series for the Yankees? Now I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, this, <laughs> see what I started saying. See, now you're thinking what I was dreaming about. <laughs> This vision came into my head of him when he closed out the Giants World Series in 2014 and him just fitting seven 16-ounce Budweiser's into his mouth. <laughs> and that was – imagine him doing that in the Yankees uniform. I would give anything. But that definitely would be an incentive and many teams would not consider – 
I don't think many teams would consider taking Bumgarner's uh, say salary back. But if Hal Steinbrenner's serious about winning and, and he's not lying to us about going over the luxury tax, getting a guy who's hitting closer to 400 than he is 350, or excuse me, he's hitting 370 this year. Getting You can add Frazier and, and Gardner together and barely get this kid's average. <laughs> like, we're, we're talking here like... That's so sad. The two of them combined are probably batting 385 if you add them together. And, the, and Marte's batting 370 here. So, like I said, I mean, look, if you're the Diamondbacks, you probably want to build around this guy. He's 27 years old. How he's got, well, I think, got three years left on his contract. So it'll be 30 as a free agent. Are the Diamondbacks going to be good by the time he is? he's a free agent? Probably not. And that will align with the same time that Bumgarner's contract runs out. So you're looking at a reset anyway in 2024 if you're the Diamondbacks. Why not get some Yankee prospects here? Like the Yankees' farm isn't great, but the talent is in the lower levels. So if you're building to 2024 like the Diamondbacks should be, the Yankees should look enticing as hell with some of the guys they got down there. Yeah, you make a good point about some of the guys being at the lower levels. Uh, I saw... Uh, this week promoted to single A. It was who was the fir- the, the first round pick in 2019. He was a jersey. Anthony Volpe got yeah, promoted Volpe, yeah, yeah, to yeah yeah. 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 Anthony he just moved Volpe. Up. Yeah, I mean, the, like you said, the talent is enticing at the lower levels, but I still think if the Diamondbacks move Marte, there's going to be a team out there that that really blows them away. Uh, and I don't think that team's going to be the Yankees, but the thought of taking Bumgarner's salary back and seeing if the Yankees really are serious about potentially going over the luxury tax is a very, very good thought. Sam, I got some some breaking news here on one of our Yankee players that we talked a lot about tonight already, but Clint Frazier just announced that he is engaged to be married. (laughs) So I know Clint Clint gave a lot, a lot of credit to his girlfriend about changing his mindset, getting him ready for this season and last season, and kind of lowering him down a little bit on the cockiness. Uh, so Clint gives her a lot, a lot of credit. So now, now he's locked in for life. So maybe this is what Clint needs to turn it around. So I'm going to say it here now. Clint Frazier is going to have a huge second half. If he can see, if he can see, Clint Frazier is going to have a huge second half here because he just uh, he just got engaged. <laughs> All righty, I, I I hope. <laughs> I hope that uh, that is the turning point in Clint Frazier's season, assuming he can come back and uh, do big things for the Yankees. So we'll we'll see about that. It's, you, know, you always got to give you always got to end Clint Frazier on a positive note here because uh, I still have faith in the big guy. So we'll we'll see there. Uh, all right, that got us on a little tangent here. Sorry with my my mad bum dreams. Uh, but more actually my Marte dreams because it really has nothing to do with Bumgarner. I just want Kendall Marte, and that's the only way I can see it possible. Um, given who's on the roster here, who do we need to step up the most in the second half for the Yankees to have a chance at the playoffs? Glaber Torres. I need a yeah. I need a big stretch out of Glaber Torres. You know, eight home runs in 15 games. Give it to me. Uh, and that'd be more than he had the past two years. He had what four, la- three last year, and three this year so far. So he's got six in the past, you know, hundred games. So I, I, I agree with you. It's got to be Glaber. It's got to be his power. I, I wanted, do I wanted? I wanted Glaber Torres to say he was going to do the home run derby, just so he can just learn how to start hitting home runs again. <laughs> just let him hit twenty home runs. And just be like, oh, right, this is how I do it. Because his swing is completely different. He's swinging like he's got Brett Gardner syndrome where he just wants to slap the ball around. I will say the past two weeks, it seems like he's got a little more uppercut to his swing and looking to turn on the ball. Had a, had a nice, ripped a nice double versus the Astros. Um, but like you said, Clint Frazier's got to finish this year with 10 to, no, I'd say 15 to 20 home runs. He's only got three on the year, so that means he needs, you know, 12 the second half. Yeah, I agree, and that that should be doable. I you was think, lo- think. Wa- I was watching the Yankees broadcast recently, and they were showing the changes that Gary Sanchez has made, and he's not doing that high leg kick anymore. And I see Torres out there still kicking his leg up, you know, to his freaking chin. So I think he's Marcus- doing that. Then he's also like slowing down his swing and kind of looking to flop the ball over second base, which I guess is a, is a nice approach. But when you, when you hit 34 home runs or something when you're 23 years old, like, turn on the ball a little bit. 
Yeah, I, I don't know where it's gone. It's not even like he's going down to 20 home run pop. He, he's going to like 10 to 15 home run pop max. He's, he's going to so, 8 to 10. He's got three home runs this year. I, I it, It's hard for me to believe. Um, and You know, 38 in 2019, I think – he wasn't supposed to be that 40 home run type guy, but this is a guy who I believe I predicted American League MVP. He was like, last he had the season. fifth best odds going into 2020 to win MVP. He was like yeah. up there. They're like, this this kid's unbelievable. Like you said, finished 2018 with 24 home runs in 123 games. Uh, and then 2019, 38 home runs in 144 games. And it was like, dude, this guy's even better than this. Like 40 home runs, no problem. Since then, six home runs. What the fuck happened? I have no clue, but I think one adjustment he should make is taking out that light kick because it's really helped Gary Sanchez get around on the ball a lot quicker and get his hands through the zone. So I I need Glaber to have a yeah, much wor- better second half. Because he's, he's walking a lot, but I think that's because he's just scared to swing at times like because he doesn't want to get out, so he's just walking. So his eye's been there, which is great. So his on-base percentage has kind of been right where his it has been his whole career. But but the the, the slugging a, a, a three oh eight slugger come on this was supposed to be the new age new age shortstop so you know around here that it can hit twenty five thirty home runs so I agree it's got to be Glaber Torres because if Glaber Torres gets hot and he has that power that middle of that lineup is completely different uh, healthy Luke Voigt too I know so you're, you're so you you have you know Lemayhu um, Lemayhu Judge Gary. Stain. That should be your, your one through four, I think, pretty much the rest of the year here. Then your five would be Luke Voigt, uh, Glaber, and then Urshela. And I like Urshela behind him because Urshela's been pretty consistent and it, it should help help see Gary get better pitches. Not Gary, I mean Glaber get better pitches before your 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 you know your eight nine are kind of shit. Um so it, him as him in the six hole is is a game changer if you get those other guys on. But if you no one's f- scared of him. It kind of will be just be a rally killer. So he turns. It looks like he's he's had a better few weeks. Um, you know, his, his, I mean, I, I you know I don't want to say that because it hasn't been as good. But he had a couple couple big hits the last few games, but he, he's still the last thirty games. He's only batting two hundred. Um, his on base percentage is only two eighty. So it, it's a problem that that's happening for your shortstop, especially when he's not a defensive minded shortstops. If that was a defensive minded shortstop, you're like, okay, we no one's expecting him to hit. It's the other way around. No one's expecting him to do great things in the field. They're expecting him to to hit bombs. Yeah, and it, it's been a weird, weird case with Torres. I think everybody in Major League Baseball got a well-deserved mulligan last year. I mean, I, yeah. I think I think it was a bit of a Mickey Mouse season. Uh, I've made my thoughts very clear about how I thought sports were over the pandemic between playing outdoors in empty stadiums and playing in bubble environments i just it did not sit i couldn't get into it and i could maybe understand why some of these guys couldn't get into it just um as well but it's we're past that now the world is back to normal and these guys had a full spring training no interruptions there hasn't been any COVID postponements aside from the Nationals Mets first weekend series. Uh, it was go time for Torres this year, and I, and I hope he proves me wrong. He went four for 13 in the Astro series, had some better swings, yeah, I thought. I, yeah, that, yeah, agreed. Some better swings, but we got to see results and we got to see home runs. I want two home runs in this four game series out of him. Love it. Get it, get it up and over the monster. Wait, are we home first or are they home first? Home, yeah. home first, okay. home first. There's just so many freaking games. Um, uh, so then I doesn't need to step up, but I think it needs to get healthy and needs to be somewhat productive when coming back here. Uh, Corey Kluber and Louis Severino. You know, Severino suffered a soft, so, uh, setback, uh, hasn't pitched since 2019 or 2018. Um, um, did he pitch in 2019? It's been so long since seeing Seve on the mound that I miss him, and I need him to be healthy. He hopefully could be back, you know, him and Kluber maybe mid-August together, maybe September. Hopefully the Yankees aren't out of it. But if those two can come back and provide a boost for this rotation at the end of the year, man, that'd be fun. If we don't have to rely on Domingo Herman or, you know, Mike Green making, you know, 
prime, we need to win today immediately starts and we can get pumped up Sevi out there, that would be awesome. Because I really do miss seeing Severino on there. Because those first those two years he had were were just electric, and the Yankees need kind of that fire behind Cole. Because you know it gets boring. Like all, no offense to to Tyone and Montgomery, but they're just they're just kind of boring dudes out in the mound, and they they, they eat up some innings, and hopefully they give us some good starts. But but give me some of that Sevy fire. Give me some of that that you know that clubhouse fire. I think that could be a world of difference for this Yankee clubhouse. It really could be. And Severino's energy, I miss seeing it so much. Yeah. Uh, I know things really went south starting in the second half of 2018, but seeing him pumped up out of the mound, celebrating strikeouts, is something I really really love to see. As far as Kluber goes, he hasn't pitched a full season since 2018. Seven games in 2019 and, you know, the infamous one inning last year with the Texas Rangers. But I'm not really sure if the Yankees get one of those two guys to throw a pitch for them this season. One pitch. I I think it would be Kluber, but... Yeah, I, I think the other way. I think Kluber's done. I think his career might be over. He's not throwing off a mound. There's no yeah. timetable. Boone said last week there's no timetable. Yeah. So as I would like, think he'd be huge. I mean, yeah, we you know, gave us that no hitter, uh, and that was fun. Uh, I would I would put money on Severino returning before before Kluber. But Severino was only in through like three rehab starts. I mean, that's going to be like a six rehab start process, a five or six rehab start yeah. process, and, and he got injured after what one or two. It, it's tough. And, Steve, we're in mid-July. We've got two and a half months left of the season. It, it's not like we're in May here. This is this is tough. I don't think either of them are going to throw a pitch. Yeah, that's crazy. Right, well, I'm going to add another name to it then because he's been my boy and, and just been killing me because I, I think he was the Yankees' best farm prospect for the past few years here uh, of Clark Schmidt. Could, could we get a, a lightning in a bottle here? I think we've said like ten times today. Uh, of Clark Schmidt. He he's facing live hitters. Hopefully is cleared for rehab, but I guess he's on the same timeline of Severino that's gonna need five or six starts. Um kind of kind of a bummer that you know, huge opportunity for Clark in twenty twenty one and just the injury bug has just hit him again. But, We're talking I mean, these five or six start rehab pitchers like Severino and um excuse Severino and Schmidt, I mean we're looking Say they started tomorrow, which isn't the case. We're looking like beginning of September. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's and when when you throw these guys out there in high leverage games, I mean, hopefully the Yankees are playing high leverage games in September. Yeah, um, oh, if they're out of it, then you just shut then shut everybody down and let them pitch, you know, once a week in in Somerset, wherever the hell they are. Yeah, I I don't. I don't know if these guys can be relied upon, and I think the Yankees are going to add a starter. I am a little disappointed that the Yankees did not treat the all-star break like the trade deadline. Like I know. That's what we were saying. Is like make the move now. I totally agree with that because it might be too little too late. Maybe that's what they're waiting for. And it sucks that they kind of got to wait for it and say, hey, if we get shit on by the Red Sox again, there's just no point. But I wish it was the other way around. I wish it was the other, you know, let's uh, – Let's push for it here. Let's take three or four from the Red Sox. Let's sweep the the Phillies, and then let's split versus the Red Sox again. Like you're, the Yankees would be like one game out of the wild card if that happened, and then you face the Rays. That would be a huge, huge plus. And I don't know why they didn't add anybody because it's like you're going into the Red Sox series with the same team you got swept by twice. You got swept with twice. So. And the Yankees, I, I mentioned this a few episodes ago, they could have acquired some guys and then flipped them if stuff went south. Yeah, they are. you did say that early. I mean, the, the, the Twins did it with us with Jaime Garcia a few years back. So it, it, it's a strategy that should have been talked about. And I'm not sure how I'm feeling going into this Red Sox series. The Yankees, due to... The 129 pitch effort from Cole on Saturday. Ideally, you have him start the first game, but he's uh, 
we don't know when he's going to start. The Yankees don't have any starters listed. The Sox are going Rodriguez, Perez, Evaldi, Pavetta, and they don't have yeah, anyone the listed. <laughs> the Yankees don't have anyone listed, and rightfully so. I thought I thought they'd put Cole to Friday or Saturday because he threw 129 pitches. You knew he wasn't going to pitch in the All Star game, but well, maybe Kevin Cash was going to screw with him there. I don't know, but uh, it's good to see. Uh, the Yankees, you know, going four and two on that road trip, although it kind of felt like they got swept with how Sunday went. But yeah, the only team that could that could win back to back series pretty easily in, in some awesome games and feel like you, you lost every game. Like that that sucks. You know, they had to win two over Seattle, then lose the, the Yankees are what, three and eight in opportunities to sweep? Like that's they're terrible. We we suck yeah. in the last game of the series. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, but like you said, yeah, that's to, to, to kind of wrap it up here. We're excited for the second half. Uh, four huge games versus Boston at home. Come out, you're at home, so you're at home. You gotta you gotta crowds gotta be there. Don't give up on this team yet. There's still 60, 70 games to play, and there were, look, we're four and a half back of a wild card. The goal was to crush the Amer- AL East. It hasn't happened here. We're eight back of Boston. We play Boston eight times before the end of the month. So that, that's not give a, a, the division probably gone. But to get a wild card spot, only four and a half back, that's that's a joke. We could do that in two weeks. So the, you know, there should be some positive regression here. Look, I know everybody hates analytics these days, given how the Yankees' season has gone. But it, it shows the Yankees are a better team. It shows the Yankees should be scoring more runs. It shows that, you know, that, that if you're – if you plug it into a computer, the Yankees should be better. That's not how it works in baseball, but it's gotta it's gotta bounce back a little bit. There's gotta be some positive things here. We might they're not gonna win 100 games like we thought they were gonna win. Might not win 90 games here, but there's plenty of opportunity to fight for that second wild card spot, and that's what we should do. That, that's what we should do. If you need to make changes in the off season, that's fine. The Yankees have enough power to to make those big changes here, but I, I can't be on, on a selling team not yet. So you gotta. You got you got to figure it out. There's there's 16 days to the trade deadline here. If the Yankees are sellers here, that means you got your fucking asses kicked versus the Red Sox in Tampa, and that would just be so demoralizing. It would be. The Yankees have it all in front of them. Uh, like I said, it's three, four, four against Boston, two against Philly, four against Boston, three against Tampa. You, you laid out the blueprint which the Yankees need going into Tampa. They need. They need three or four against the Sox, sweep the Phillies, split versus the Sox. That gives them three, five, seven. That makes them seven, three, and ten. Seven, games. yeah. So seven and ten. They go seven and ten. I'm sorry, seven and three in the next ten. With, with you know, that would that would get the lead down. Depending on what Boston does, those two games here. That's a two game lead, and then you split. So would be five back, maybe, maybe five back of the AL East after that. Um, and then depending on what the rest goes, you know, you could be, you could be one game back of the wild card. <laughs> like it, it's like you said, the wild card teams don't scare me. Like we still got to deal with the blue Jays, but I think a lot of the teams ahead of the Yankees are overperforming in the first half while the Yankees have underperformed. So let's flip that around. It's time for the Yankees to overperform and these other teams to underperform. Uh, and then the Yankees should be in the playoffs. And then we talked about Stanton and the field and stuff. After that race series, assuming the Yankees have caught fire, uh, if, if <laughs> we're making some big if, assumptions here, if there's if there's no, um, I want to reiterate one thing: if the Yankees get their asses kicked in these next couple of weeks and, and sell before that Miami series, Sam, I'll talk to you in twenty twenty two. I don't want to see, <laughs> I don't want to see Stanton play the field. But if the Yankees oh, are yeah. still in it in a big way. Uh, July 30th against the Miami Marlins is going to be their first game in the NL. Um, or first game in the National League in almost two months. So that will be a target date for Stanton to play the field against his former team. Here you go. Perfect. Perfect opportunity. Knows the fields. Knows, 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 the, knows the lay of the land. So we'll, we'll keep it posted here. But, Sam, it's always a pleasure talking to you. The first half. Well, it was not great, but it's always great talking to you. The second half, I can feel it. It's going to be even better. We're going to be here every week, and I hope you guys are here listening us along as the Yankees try to make this epic comeback and save the 2021 season. Sam and, C's, Sam and Steve save the Yankees. Here we come. Here we come, Steve. 
saving the Yankees, the first half is over and done with, I'm, I'm ready for the second half. Let's go. All right, guys. Enjoy the game tonight and the big week here. We'll probably jump back on after the, the Philly series before Boston again, hopefully explaining that we were right this entire time. <laughs> Until then, thanks for listening. This is podcasting in pinstripes on Gotham Sports, guys. Sam, see you later. Peace. Peace.